4: This is The Edge with Jonathan von and Matt Eumanns on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: Welcome in another edition of The Edge. We got a jam packed show today, a lot to peck into 60 minutes here coming up in 30 minutes for all of you. Red Rock Sportsbook Director Chuck Esposito is going to join Eumanns and myself as we get the bookmaker's perspective of a wacky weekend in the National Football League. Kickers all over the place, odd results, 463 and 0 trends being snapped. All sorts of madness in the NFL. Are you we still bitter it. about that? No, you know, it's, oh, it's okay. to the point where now it's just like, you know what? Like, you just got to take it
1: and roll. Hey, you had some time to sleep on it. Yeah. Got to take roll the roll with the punches. a little bit better today? Go to, ahead. To steal a phrase, uh-huh. just got to trust the process, right? You
5: take some lumps, but you see some of the things that you were expecting play out, and you think, you know what? I'm going to
1: trust my process and continue rolling on. Well, I agree with that. That's the right philosophy, even though it hasn't worked for the Sixers.
5: No, it wasn't. Well, I mean, there's an argument to be made that it has. There's, there's, a, there's some playoff successes in there from where they were. Regardless, speaking of the 76ers, NNBA uh, season starts this week. NBA do out now. Let's dive into baseball very quickly because we do have one game underway right now. And the Atlanta Braves, we're in the top of the eighth inning. Braves are on the verge of taking a 2-1 series lead in this NLDS over the Milwaukee Brewers. How about this Brewers lineup? This is something you and I talked about briefly yesterday on the opening lines Brewers lineup's got to be better in terms of actually consistently hitting the ball, uh, not striking out at such a high rate, doing something in terms of generating consistent offense. Coming into today, humans, Brewers hitting 176 with a 28.6% K rate. They won. Uh, they were one for 10 in the first two games of runners in scoring position. Two total runs over the course of the first two games getting blanked right now.
1: Yeah, this is in the uh, top of the eighth. Who needs Ronald Acuna when you have Jock Peterson? No. A three-run shot for Peterson to put the Braves on top, and they hold that lead 3 nothing. one out. Top of the eighth, this would be a huge win, obviously, for the Braves. If they can get it. I kind of wish these series were seven games instead of five. Agreed. It just seems like uh, five games a little bit too short after you play 162. I don't mind the wild card format, but once you advance, uh, I feel like uh, seven games is a better way to play it out in baseball. And the Rays, with their backs to the wall, facing elimination after a Cinderella story sort of season. Yeah, only three games today. uh, Houston and Chicago postponed.
5: So the Astros and White Sox will resume that series tomorrow because of Uh, rain so we get two other games today tampa bay and boston as you mentioned uh the rays in that season and another shot at a world series title potentially that is twisting in the wind as they're down 2-1 to the boston red sox with Eduardo rodriguez set to take the hill there and then you get san francisco and los angeles dodgers get a two-game split in san francisco now bring it back home and their lineup has been churning out hits absolutely fantastic lineup with a lot of depth cody bellinger starting to wake up and now you get max scherzer on the hill hopefully being able to work out of some stuff, right, it was a little gritty. Mm-hmm. The last time out wasn't entirely great. Had given up ten earned runs of the two starts prior to that wild card outing. But San Francisco sends out Alex Wood, and we did, we were talking about this. Like I think Alex Wood, with the way that he has pitched, his xPep actually lower than his ERA. If you're going to take a shot, might be with Wood, the lefty on the hill against a Dodgers team that has been average against left-handed
1: pitching. Yeah, we talked about this last night on opening lines. I thought this price on the Giants might go up to two dollars or so. Right now, the best price you get is plus one eighty-five, I think, in the market, and. um, The Dodgers typically attract money, and that might happen again tonight before first pitch. It is a late start. Well, not that late on the West Coast, 6.37 p.m. out here. But Mad Max has a minus uh, 200 favorite or more. Really shaky in his last three starts. So uh, I've I've entertained the idea of betting against the Giants tonight. I have not done it yet, but I'm thinking about that. How about the Rays-Red Sox game with Colin McHugh and Erod going for Boston Uh, Do you want to bet against the Rays facing elimination? Um, Not entirely, no. I I think – Here's the thing
5: with with the Rays that has turned me off though over the last couple of games. It's the fact that their bullpen, which has been really steady throughout the entire year, uh, has been pretty shaky. But McCue's been great, man. If you're talking about strikeouts, almost about ten and a half strikeouts every nine innings. In ERA, we look. The ERA is a little bit of uh, skewed, right? Given a short sample size of only 64 innings. But regardless, 306 XFiP tells you that he's still a rock solid pitcher. So McCue would be the guy to look at and potentially bounce back. And again, on the other side, you have Eduardo Rodriguez, who we've talked about, right? With in XFiP that is actually right around three and a half. And yet the results aren't there for him and an inflated ERA. And those results just still will not come last time out is really short outing with him against this Tampa Bay Rays team. Maybe he's a little bit better when he pitches in Boston, but regardless, like the Q it seems like situationally would be the guy to turn the series around for the Tampa Bay Rays. The problem is your bullpen has been very shaky. You've had to use it quite a bit.
1: Yeah. It's surprising too, because Ray's bullpen has been rock solid most of the year. I like to raise a little bit in this game and uh looks like minus one Oh one. That's circuit right now. It's a yep. pretty good price on the raise, but I have a raised series bet, so I can't play the game tonight.
5: Yep. And we'll see how the pitching changes for the Houston Astros. Dusty Baker already came out today, said, Hey, we're not sure if they're gonna use Jose or Kitty uh, in that next contest now that this has been pushed back. So you have some more options if you're Dusty Baker, who was so mad today about all these accusations of cheating from the Chicago oh, White come Sox. Come on, just Astros, <laughs> unwarranted. The Astros would never cheat. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous to even suggest such no. a thing by the Chicago White Sox. With that, like I said, it's a loaded day today. We've got Monday Night Football, and it seems like it's going to be a pretty good contest here. The Baltimore Ravens taking on the Indianapolis Colts uh, while we were switching shows and personnel here at the desk. Looks like the uh, Baltimore Ravens now up to a seven-and-a-half point favorite units mm-hmm. over the Indianapolis Colts. Ravens are at home. Total of 46 and a half. And I think this is, if your starting point in terms of analysis for this game has to be somewhere, I think it's clearly the offensive line in front of Carson Wentz and how this is going to look against a Baltimore Ravens team that are second in bullets right and first in pressure rate at this point right now in the NFL season. Because Wentz has been under fire behind a really
1: poor offensive line that is really banged up. Yes, he has. And uh, that's the one thing that uh, scares me about the, uh, the Colts without Quentin Nelson on that offensive line. I think uh, Wentz is going to be vulnerable back there. I've got the Ravens to close out two teasers tonight, JVT. Yeah. Should I play the Colts here at plus seven and a half? You're getting the key number, and yeah. I think that's the side I would rather I wasn't be. on. I was going to play plus seven, but now it's a seven and a half. I'm thinking about uh, playing the Colts, maybe hitting the middle on those because
5: yeah, here's the thing. So, like when we talk about the offensive line, we know Quentin Nelson's on IR, Braden Smith's still out, so you're down two of your top offensive linemen, right? And on a unit that has already been poor as it is. But I think one of the underrated aspects about Indianapolis is that Carson Wentz has actually been kind of average to above average in terms of facing pressure this year. Like he has dealt with it rather well. He's only got one turnover-worthy play on the year so far, and one interception as well. So he's held onto the ball and kept it out of danger. Under pressure this year, the completion percentage could be better, 54.4% and 6.3 yards per attempt. But as I mentioned, whenever he's under pressure, according to PFF, never a turnover where they play committed up to this point in the year. And if you look at it, one of the things that I think gives you a positive for Carson Wentz when they faced Miami last week he was pressured on 17 dropbacks. He went 12 of 14, 147 yards, 10.5 yards per attempt. Like he was pretty good. That's outstanding. Right. Against pressure last week against Miami. And there's this sneaking thing. And you and I have talked about this with Baltimore. You know, who's second in missed tackles in the national football league right now. It's Baltimore Ravens. And if you look at some of the other things, if you're talking about missed tackles and then giving up of uh, 636 yards after the catch, which is 28th defensively, Right. There's going to be opportunities there to catch this Baltimore Ravens defense, which has been a little shoddy in terms of coverage, in some situations that are going to be favorable for Indianapolis and Carson Wentz. So I think that at 7.5, especially given it's a key number there for Indianapolis, I think this offense might be able to do some stuff. That
1: was a very convincing performance by the Colts last time out against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that maybe was that, a, was that a buy sign on the Colts. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, Carson Wentz. It's a well-coached team. And Carson Wentz, I still think. Uh, has has a high ceiling for the Colts. I haven't given up on the guy like a lot of people.
5: Well, and look, he missed a good chunk of training camp, right? Yeah. He gets surgery around the foot, has a bow removed, he's in and out. He had the, we have a lot of issues in terms of continuity getting used to this offense. Then you start the season, your offensive line's terrible, then you lose Quentin Nelson, and all of a sudden you're looking at everything and you're talking about, well, how bad can this get? But there's little positives here and there. How about the fact that against Derrick Henry two weeks ago, they actually held him just four yards of carry, contained him mm-hmm. for the most part pretty well. We're in that game as well. I think this is a team that you're starting to slowly kind of see get better as it goes week to week. And they've been a relatively solid front seven against the run. Now, Quiddy Pay not playing is a blow for them, right? Because he can take advantage of a bad offensive line in front of Baltimore because that's the other aspect of it, right? Poor pass blocking line. We don't know if Alejandro Villanueva is going to play today. Even if he plays, he's not going to make much of a difference. Right. He's been pretty poor when he's played. So I think like I can understand the market to a certain extent, believing in the Baltimore Ravens. But now you're talking about like seven and a half, getting that touchdown in the hook.
1: Well, I believe in the Ravens to win the game. I don't believe in the Ravens necessarily to cover the seven and a half, which is why I was thinking about playing a dog with the Ravens on a couple of teasers. But Yeah, I'd feel a lot more confident. And the Colts, if they were closer to full strength, they're just missing so many key guys right now. Mm-hmm. It's uh, tough to have too much confidence in the Colts. Right.
5: And we should know, too, right, the total, uh, this has dropped quite a bit. If you're talking about some spots uh, opening as high as 48, 48 and a half. Uh, actually, in some uh, other shops last week, opened up as high as 49 and a half mm-hmm. uh, on this game. So now we're all the way down to 46 and a half here and the favorite getting some support. So the market, it seems like the market, indicating that this is going to be a comfortable victory for the Baltimore Ravens, given the fact that the total's going down and that the spread, though, continues to
1: climb. But I think the, I think the Colts might have a little something for them. Let's hope so. A little competitive nature for I think the Colts the keep it United competitive Colts. tonight, which uh, I'm not surprised this number went up to 7.5. Right. One reason I did not bite on the Colts at 7, I thought it might go up by game time. And uh, you know there's a lot of teaser liability on the Baltimore side, too.
5: Oh, yeah, of course. And we'll talk to Chuck Esposito about that and what they're looking at heading into this and what the weekend was like. Really quickly, um, we are on the eve of puck drop in the NHL season. Starting tomorrow, so our hockey betting experts, of course, ready for all the action. Veasan Hockey Betting Guide now available. You get strategies and best bets for the season ahead. You're going to get in-depth analysis from our hockey experts that includes Andy McNeil with predictions for teams and players, win totals, daily betting tips, as well as season-long trends to watch. Guide is a must-have. You get key insights, data for both avid hockey bettors and for those of you who are going to be new to the sport this season. So give yourself an edge. Get your digital copy now for only nine ninety-nine at Veasan.com/slash subscribe.
1: All right. I'm not a hockey ex- expert necessarily, but I'm going to say bet the Vegas Golden Knights under. Point
5: total. Okay.
1: Is that a hot tip? Well, I think they're going to have goaltending problems. Yeah. Robin Leonard is a very shaky goaltender. Uh,
5: I think when he's on the ice, he's good. His
1: availability
5: is the shaky <laughs> there, aspect there, of his. There are his... a lot of
1: questions about him. Yeah. As a goalie with Marc-Andre Fleury, you had the best goalie in the league for the regular season in uh, last year, and you're not going to have that not going to have that dependable goalie this time around.
5: I read through the hockey guide. It is absolutely worth it. So check that out again. com slash subscribe. And we're releasing a lot of good stuff today. NBA guide went live today as well. The NBA season tips off in a week from now. So how many check times out?
1: have you been asked, what's your NBA win total best bet? A
5: few times. Okay. I've been also my brain has been picked on other win total bets that I don't really have a good feel for a few times it'll get more frequent as we get closer on the other side let's continue this roll. and remember 15 minutes from now chuck esposito from sunset or excuse me not sunset red rock is gonna be with us
0: from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast
4: is
5: going
1: on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board
8: This is the Edge on VSN,
4: the Sports Betting Network.
5: Get in on the Bellator 268 action for free with the Bellator MMA Prediction Challenge. Answer questions about how you think it'll all go down on October 16th for your shot at up to $5,000. Head to DraftKings.com/showtime now to make your predictions before the fight begins. Who will be one step closer to claiming the lightweight heavyweight throne? Don't miss the light heavyweight World Grand Prix semifinals on Saturday, October 16th, live on Showtime. Terms and conditions apply and other eligibility restrictions apply. See
1: DraftKings.com for details. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this. How I think this is going to go down on October 16th. Okay. I'm not going to give it away right now. No, oh, What kind of a tease is that? <laughs> that you are going to give us everything. Um, speaking of giving things
5: away, the Lions like to give wins away. And they did it again on Sunday. Five plays, 46 yards and 37 seconds. That's all the Vikings needed to go down and get a field goal that eventually gave them a 19-17 victory over the Detroit Lions. Lions are in tough spot, man. Because this is now, right, the second time in three weeks in which you have allowed the team.
1: Two soul-crushing defeats. Just, and
5: we're talking about the fourth and 19 for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, ultimately then the, what was it, 66-yard field goal for Justin Tucker, Mm -hmm. and then to lose in this fashion against the Minnesota Vikings. So here's the question for you as they move forward to next week. Is this the soul-crushing loss that ultimately ends with another embarrassing defeat against the Cincinnati Bengals? Or is this a better spot for them at home against Cincinnati?
1: Yeah, I don't think this, what happened yesterday is going to make this a bad spot for the Lions. Actually, I think Dan Campbell, by showing emotion like he did yesterday after the game, he's a guy the players know uh, he cares a lot, and uh, they're going to play hard for him. And I think this actually sets up a pretty good spot. I think a de- at least a decent spot. I hate to say good spot for the Lions. I, I don't want to regret that a week from now. Uh, but I think Detroit's in a decent spot here. And last night on the show, we were talking about this number at three-and-a-half, and you and I agreed three-and-a-half with the Lions looked like a buy. And now it's down to three at most places, almost everywhere in the market. So not surprised there's been uh, some sharp play on the Lions plus three-and-a-half against the Bengals.
5: Yeah, let's watch that moment from Dan Campbell, uh, emotional after the loss there for the Detroit Lions. You, you want to go to battle for this guy.
1: When you see your players give all that they have and, uh, and you lose that way, it's tough. You know, you don't want that for them. So, um, but we'll be better for it. You know, and there again, credit Minnesota, but um, you know, we we made the one mistake that cost us. You know, and uh, and so ultimately, you know, it uh, we didn't we didn't do enough to win. But I was proud of them, and I love the fight they have in them, and I love the grit.
5: Now you're exclusively a no
1: cry kind of guy. Right. Are you in on this? Well, you know, I, I that's hard to watch. He would you say that the he guy cr- who talks about biting kneecaps is now in tears Which, after a loss to the Vikings? Uh but I, I think his players respect it. That's what's important, not what I think. Would you so, say that he huh? cried macho? No. <laughs> no I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Santos gets it. That's not it took the, a second. <laughs> that's not the um That's not the best coaching staff over there in the Detroit sideline with Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn, but I think the Lions have shown signs of improvement. I I think what matters more when I look at this week's game is the Bengals, I also think, put a lot into trying to beat the Packers yesterday. Yeah, Uh, They put almost everything into that game. Joe Burrow leaves with an injury as well. I think he's going to be okay this week, but uh, the fact that the Bengals put everything into that, they celebrated, the kickers celebrated Evan McPherson. Did you know who he was before yesterday? No. He celebrated like he hit the kick to beat the Packers, and it turns out he missed the kick. One of the funniest things I've seen in a while in the NFL. Uh, he celebrated a winning kick that missed. But I think the Bengals put so much into that game that they could be fragile favorites here against the Lions, and I expect this Lions team to really play hard for Dan Campbell. So even though two weeks ago I said, I don't want to bet the Lions, I might bet the Lions. Okay, all right. Should have taken the three and a half last night when it was out there. But I had to, had to question myself. Think through. Do I really want to take the bait with the Lions again? But uh, I think we all question that sometimes. We're talking about these bad teams. I did say last week I will not bet the Jets or the Jaguars, mm-hmm. and that paid off because both teams <laughs> failed to cover. Correct in uh, Week Five, but Week Six might be a decent spot for Detroit.
5: And let's look with Detroit; they're three and two against the spread on the season, right? And one of those losses was the Monday night game to Green Bay in which they led 17-14 to 14 right at, at halftime. Time. Yep. And then four out of the five drives ended in turnovers where there was turnover on downs, fumble, interception, whatever. And so,
1: like, this is a team that has played and better. And they lose to the Ravens right? Justin Tucker's miraculous kick. Yeah. This is a team that's had just two brutal beats.
5: This yeah. is And this is obviously a team that is better than the record indicates at this point right now, at least in terms of the parity, the ability to win some of these games. Mm-hmm. And so they're right there. And eventually you would think a team like that kind of breaks through. But if you're talking about like the worst of the teams in the National Football League, clearly it's been the Detroit Lions who have been the most competitive and the most, um, we'll call it the easily backable team out of all the teams that are at the bottom of the league. I
1: think Chris Andrews here at the South Point is trying to bait me into betting the uh, Lions because the South Point is about the only major book in town still at three and a half on this game, by the
5: way. And minus 110, never changes, baby. Never changes. All right, let's go from there uh, to another tough loss. Now, there were tears shed, but it was not on the football field. It might have been my own tears uh, after this one went down, and that would be the Cleveland Browns losing to the Los Angeles Chargers in a ridiculous and wild game between these two. Final score, uh, defense is not showing up, 47-42. to 42. The Chargers get a touchdown in the waning 90 seconds to get the victory over the Cleveland Browns. And this was, for me, it was tough, right? Only because when you, when you handicap games, right, when you see the things that you expected as part of your handicap, you're feeling pretty good about it, especially when your team has double-digit lead, when they're actually operating their offense at an extremely <laughs> high level. Right. Everything you expected to come to fruition is actually happening. But how about this? This makes it even worse. From ESPN stats and info, the Browns, 42 points, 532 yards, no turnovers. They're the first team in NFL history, including the playoffs to lose when having either 40 points and zero turnovers or 40 points, 500 yards and zero turnovers. It's courtesy of Elias as well. And to add to it, to the 1 p.m. Sunday games, teams with 40 or more points, zero turnovers were 463 and oh, Matt humans mm. before the Browns lost that game. If you had the qualifier of 500 yards, that is 72 and 0, including
1: the playoffs all time combined. I know it makes you sick to be on the wrong side of that trend, and it should. It should make you sick. But I think the one thing you didn't handicap, and nobody did, was that the Cleveland defense would give up 493 yards and 47 points, and the uh, the Chargers were 6-for-13 on third downs, 3-for-3 three three on fourth downs. And I, I really thought the Browns would do a much better job defensively containing Justin Herbert in that offense. I mean, that had mm-hmm. to surprise you. Oh
5: yeah, it was. And when that plays into what you're looking at going forward for this team, right? Because you're talking about Denzel Ward lost in the first half with a neck injury. MJ Stewart went out in the second half. Greedy Williams had a shoulder injury. Like Troy Hill in and out of the lineup as well throughout that entire game. Miles Garrett goes down at one point. Like, this is a pretty banged up team on the defensive side, right? And they were just the guys were falling left and right. And so Look, Stefanski should have handled the end of the game better. their (laughs) penultimate drive in which he decides to throw it on second down, but then just run it up the middle on third down to give the ball back to a team that they couldn't stop. was absolutely ridiculous. But I think as you spend this forward for Cleveland, right, when we're talking about next week against the Arizona Cardinals, I think, again, from a matchup perspective, this team, which yesterday rattled off 230 yards on the ground and 6.6 yards per carry, should probably be able to do that again against Arizona at home. Mm Mm-hmm. But do you trust, I think their defensive ends will be able to contain Kyler Murray like San Francisco did, but with such a banged-up secondary, especially the corner position, that's the thing I think you really need from Cleveland in terms of like a clean bill of health or a generally clean bill of health before you head into that game with a ticket on the Browns next weekend.
1: Yeah, I think so, but I like the matchup for the Browns anyway. they yeah. got the number one rushing offense in the NFL, 188 yards per game. Arizona's got a weak rushing defense. I think the Browns have the personnel to contain Kyler Murray. But I really think the Browns' running attack is what should win this game for the most part. Because uh, if we've seen a weakness in Arizona, I think it's the Cardinals can't stop the run. Dalvin Cook and the Vikings ran all over them. Yep. Forty Niners probably should have won that game. Definitely Fuck. should have covered yesterday. You said you're upset with Kyle, uh, with uh, Kevin Stefanski. How about Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> Was there a bigger clown, coaching clown yesterday than Kyle Shanahan blowing several big decisions in that game against Arizona? So. Uh, I, I still like the Browns. I think two and a half is cheap here. Yep. Cardinals, the last undefeated team in the NFL at five and zero. Oh, I do not think they will be undefeated after uh, Sunday's game.
5: Yeah. Cardinals given a 5.6 yards per carry and actually outgained in total yardage, out in yards per play, 5.7 to 5.1. But and you mentioned some keys there, and some of these were on the uh, at the feet of Kyle Shanahan. When you go one for five on fourth down in that game, when you turn the ball over and you commit seven penalties for 60 yards, most of which were holding mm-hmm. your false starts along the offensive line, you're not going to cover a lot of games. You're not going to win a lot of games. And that is ultimately what held San Francisco back.
1: You know, And to be honest, you, you look at the box score, and it looks a lot worse in reality because three through three quarters yesterday, the uh, the Chargers had 21 points. The fourth quarter is when everything just got out of control, and that game turned insane. And the Chargers end up with 7.2 yards per play. They score 26 points in the fourth quarter. If you stop that game after the third quarter, stop the count, things, baby. things would have looked a lot differently. But uh, I still... I still like the Browns in this spot. I like the matchup, and I think uh, the Browns are the play at minus two and a half.
5: Yep, we're in agreement, and we'll see what the market does with the two because this easily moved off that three, and now you're at two and a half with altered juice. Uh, I would assume two and a half minus 110 will be widely available. Already here, of course, at the south point because they don't alter the juice, but uh, I would not expect this to get back to three with confidence. And even if you're a believer in the Cardinals,
1: and I do believe in the Cardinals to a certain extent because that offense is going to be so hard to stop, I still think this is a... Favorable matchup for the Browns.
5: Yes, it is. All right, we'll come back. Uh, Let's find out how the Shops did and what they're looking at here for Monday night. Chuck Esposito, head Honcho over at Red Rock Sportsbook is going to join us.
4: This is The Edge on v the sports betting network.
1: It's over in Atlanta. Braves win game three Three to zero, they are up two one in the series. And uh, JBT, it looks like the Brewers' offense has lost its Zen. 0 for sixteen <laughs> runners in scoring position. Yeah. Welcome back. This segment of the Edge is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen is working to create a world where you can enjoy life on your own terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a smoke-free, spit-free, and hassle-free tobacco alternative that can be enjoyed on the go, anywhere, and anytime. So you never miss a minute of the game or the tailgate party. Available in ten varieties, including spearmint, coffee, and citrus. Zen can be found at convenience stores nationwide, so you can find your Zen wherever you are. Zen's nicotine pouches are clean and discreet with no lingering smell. Plus, it's easy to use indoors or out, making it the perfect complement to your everyday. Also, Zen comes in two strengths, so you have control over your nicotine satisfaction. Zen contains nicotine, and is only for adult nicotine consumers 21 or older. Learn more and find your local retailer at zen.com. That's Z-Y-N Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive product. Chemical
5: from uh from real quick from Tom Hodrecourt, who uh, covers the Brewers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Brewers have scored in one of the 26 innings in which they have batted two run homer by Rowdy Telez. That's it. Oh wow. for 16 with runners batting what uh,
1: 178 yep. for the series. Not good. Not okay. good. All right. From
5: that we go to the most hated man in Las Vegas because his Chicago Bears emerged victorious <laughs> over at the Al. Chuck Esposito. <laughs> I don't think people hate Chuck <laughs> because of that. At Red Rock. Uh, at Red Rock. <laughs> Chuck, how you feeling, buddy?
8: I'm feeling okay, guys. It's uh, you know that was one of the maybe one of the two games we won yesterday was uh, was the Bear Raider <laughs> game. But uh, uh, Bears did play you know well in that game. Raiders offense uh, just looked really flat, about a 150 yards less than what they normally average. But it, it was a good game for for our side of the counter. But again, there weren't too many of those games yesterday, guys.
1: Well, let's talk about this game uh, briefly, Chuck. The Raiders with a, a flat <laughs> performance team looked like they played with very little energy. Could not get on track offensively, and they lose to a rookie quarterback who passes for only 111 yards. Raiders couldn't stop the run. Uh, Chuck, do you think it's possible that the Raiders fooled some people when they got off that three, uh, 3-0 three start? Is, is this who the Raiders are? Is it true somewhere in between? And, and what's your outlook on the Bears? Are you more optimistic about the Bears now uh, with Justin Fields winning this game in Vegas?
8: You know, I think the Raiders are someplace in between, guys. Um, you know, they did fall behind. You know, don't forget against the Dolphins in that game uh, before yeah. they came back to win. They fought. They've fallen behind in a, a lot of games. So I think there's someplace in between. I don't. They're still three and two, but it's a bad sign to lose at home. Last year they only lost. They only won two games at home. This was a chance to surpass that, and they didn't do it. But they're still in it. I mean, the Chargers are four and one. They're three and two. Um, along with the Broncos and the Chiefs, right now are in last place in the AFC West. Um, regarding the Bears. I think it's just way too early. Defensively, they played much better. Uh, it's a big loss, not having Montgomery. But I'd rather see Fields kind of go through the growing pains and and, and get used to the NFL game this year and see how he plays. They're still 3-2. and two. Defensively, again, they're, they're really good. Um, but uh, I, I don't see him as a playoff team, uh, unless somehow they sneak into a, you know one of the last wild card spots.
1: Chuck Esposito, Red Rock. Sportsbook director with us, uh, Chuck, you said uh, Bears-Raiders, one of the uh, the two games you won yesterday. Was that sarcasm? or uh, I did hear some sportsbook directors say it was a, a very bad day yesterday. How bad was it?
8: It, it was, Matt. I think it was the, the best day for the better so far this football season. I think it was the first Sunday where you had more favorites uh, than underdogs actually come in. Uh, Eagle-Panther game was a good game. But outside of that, uh, betters did really well. And I think everything was kind of dumping into that, that late game last night. Um, you know, no way to really keep that game under with those two offenses. But there was a lot of money that showed on the Bills, not just plus the points, uh, but straight up on the money line. So kind of a a perfect ending to the to the weekend for the betters, having the Bills win that game outright last night. So again, by far the best Sunday uh, so far early in the season for the betters.
5: It's really bad for you guys, Chuck. By the way, how was
8: <laughs> how, how was the was first month? I was waiting for that.
5: How was the first month of the NFL season for you guys?
8: Overall, it was good. Really, the, the college first month was uh, was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, really, a lot of parity in college football. I would say it was better than, than the NFL. Um, early on, I think at one point you had uh, the primetime games, were 8 and 1 towards the overs, and the Betters are doing well in those games. Kind of leveled off a little bit towards the end, but the overall, college football actually better than the first month of the NFL.
5: So now we head into Monday night Ravens and Colts. Uh, how much worse does this get for you if the Ravens come out, win, and cover tonight?
8: It definitely gets worse, guys. I mean, everything that, you know, from some of the baseball games, everything is clearly dumping into kind of Dodgers and Scherzer and the Ravens tonight and over um, clearly our Colts fans tonight. And in a perfect scenario, we'd root for the Colts to win the game outright and keep it under. Um, under definitely helps if the Colts can cover. But we're, we're definitely Colts and Giant fans tonight.
1: Colts are going to have to play like uh, Carson Wentz is going to have to play like Johnny Unitas for the Colts to win this game tonight. JBT, you know who Johnny Unitas is? Yeah, the former Chargers quarterback, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah.
8: <laughs>
1: Good call. Good call. Um, Chuck, also, uh, when we talked about the uh, the NFL. We talked about the, uh, the Chiefs being the favorites to win the Super Bowl and in the AFC, and that's changed, right? Because I, I know most sports books, I'm not sure you handle it at stations. Have um, elevated the Bills to favorite status in the AFC and the Bucks as Super Bowl favorites. And the Chiefs have dropped a little bit after that 38 20 loss last night to the Bills.
8: Yeah, we, we've done exactly the same thing, Matt. Uh, the Bills are clearly the favorite now um, in the AFC and, and to win the Super Bowl, even on the Super Bowl future odds. You know, AFC against NFC, it's uh, the AFC a small favorite and it's based on uh, being the Bills. I think after the Bills, for me, there's, there's a huge drop off in the AFC. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, the um, the Chiefs are in last place in the AFC West. I mean, they easily could be one and four. Uh, if I read the stat correctly, I believe they're the first team in NFL history to give up 29 points or more in their first five games of the season. But after the Bills, for me, it's all NFC. It's Bucks, Rams, Cowboys, and Packers. And then you could make a case in the, in the AFC that both the Chargers and Ravens would be ahead of the Chiefs right now, although the odds don't indicate that. Mm-hmm. Since it's still the Chiefs and Patty Mahomes. But I think a huge drop-off right now in the AFC after the Bills.
5: Like, hey Chuck, you know one of the names that I think you, you, when you're talking about the NFC and the teams that are coming after Buffalo for you, uh, where are you at in your power ratings and overall perception of a team like the Arizona Cardinals, who who remain undefeated at five and zero, just ahead of Dallas in the pecking order right now, in terms of standings in the conference in the NFC?
8: Yeah, I think they're right up there, guys. Um, I think there's still a lot of non-believers. I mean, they should have probably lost that game to the Vikings, and you know, at four and one, then maybe that five and zero doesn't look as impressive. I think what impressed me yesterday though was that. You know, we know the Niners have a good defense. They're definitely beat up a little bit. Uh, Trey Lance was, you know, he's still learning the position. He's probably not ready to start, but it was a Cardinal team that didn't have to win 30 to, you know, or 38 to 36. They're able to win a close game, and that was kind of impressive. But they're in that mix as well. But I do put the other teams in the NFC just a touch ahead of them the Cardinals right now, in my opinion.
1: How about the Cardinals this week in Cleveland? And uh, we're seeing two and a half at most spots. You'll see three on this game too. Chuck, what do you think the right number is, Arizona-Cleveland?
8: I think it's right around there, guys. Had the Browns um, not you know, collapsed in the fourth quarter in that game against the Chargers, you probably would have seen this game around three. I mean, you think about the Browns. They'd only given up six points to the Bears and, and seven points to the Vikings. So, defensively, they came in with a team that I thought, even if, if Mayfield and that offense struggled a little bit, that they would be really good. But they got torched in the second half of that game, maybe exposed a little bit. The Browns can run, too. I think you're going to see a lot of points scored in this Brown-Cardinal uh, game. But I think under three is probably the right number for the Browns right now.
1: Yeah. All right, Cardinals 4-1, and or excuse me, 5-0 and atop the NFC. Cowboys 4-1. and The Cowboys go to New England this week. Face Patriots this number has gone up overnight Chuck from three and a half to four and a half do you agree with the move here with the Cowboys is four and a half point four to four and a half point road favorites uh, over the Patriots
8: I kind of do Matt I, I think you look at the Cowboys are the only team that's five and0 against the number uh, they bet them heavily one of our, our largest uh, decisions yesterday that we lost on was the Cowboy game um they're America's team and and you know they, they get a lot of backing I think the the big thing is that when you look at the the Patriots They're going to have to play as good defensively um, as they did against Tampa a couple weeks ago and Tom Brady because the betting public is going to be all over the, the Cowboys in this game. My guess is we're going to be huge Patriot fans Sunday afternoon.
1: What do you think, JVT? A little bit surprised to see they go from three and a half to several books, including station casinos, at four and a half on that game.
5: I mean, Chuck mentioned it. I'm not entirely surprised. Right. Cowboys have been a really good ATS team so far this year. They're also a public team whenever they're going to be good. so And I think the perception is going to be down, and Chuck can speak to this, because the Patriots struggling with the Texans, you're not going to get a lot of public betters finding confidence mm-hmm. in the
8: Patriots coming into this Sunday. Is that right, Chuck? No, because no. The,
1: the Pats are also 0-3 at home. Yep.
8: Yeah, don't forget, guys, I mean, they were bet heavily against in that game against the Bucks. I think mm-hmm. we chatted about it. One mm-hmm. of the largest regular season, if not the regular season uh, decision we had ever had. So I think you look at the Cowboys again, and they're much better. I mean, that offense looks really good. Um, Prescott is confident. Defensively, they're playing better. I mean, you think they were able to basically let Jalen Smith just walk. They let him go. He was scooped up by the Packers really quickly. So I think it is a good Cowboy team, and they're by far the best team in the NFC North right now, and look at the struggles for the other three. And uh, the Cowboys aren't going to be a playoff team. I, I think they're, they're
5: one of the top teams in the NFC right now. Chuck Esposito, Racing Sportsbook Director, Red Rock. Casino. You know, Chuck, good to talk to you. Thank you very much,
8: sir. All right, guys. You too. Have a great week.
5: Red Rock Sportsbook, where I go to put in my last man standing picks. If I had one.
1: Did you get knocked out? Got eliminated over the weekend. Yeah, I got knocked out of the college contest, too. Sad. Made it to the top 200. Is that worth something? No. No worth okay. nothing. You got to be last man standing. Oh, okay. That's what it's all about. Pride? Uh, by the way, Chuck's not a Twitter guy, but Station Casinos is putting out betting information now on a new uh, uh, Twitter page, STN Sports. Really? Do you follow? Got to check it out. Check it out. Station all Casinos right. follows me because I'm a local, a famous one at that.
5: All right, we'll come back. we we'll rate recap Best Bets. Wrap it up here on The Edge.
3: This is The Edge on v the sports
4: betting network.
5: Get in on the Bellator 268 action for free with the Bellator MMA Prediction Challenge. Answer questions about how you think it will all go down on October 16th for your shot at up to $5,000. Head to DraftKings.com Showtime now to make your predictions before the fights begin. Who will be one step closer to cleaning the light heavyweight throne? Don't miss the light heavyweight World Grand Prix semifinals on Saturday, October 16th, live on Showtime. Terms and conditions apply, and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I'm filling out my bracket right now. I want you, can you fill one out and give it to us on Friday? Yeah. Let's okay. do that. Okay. All right. <laughs> you can see him scribbling away, going through the numbers, everything. Don't bother within. me. I'm
1: figuring. I'm- Handicapping news.
5: All right, well, while nice. you're doing that, okay. uh, let's recap best bets for the weekend. Uh, NFL Do 5. I have to? A, a, a bloodbath <laughs> for myself, uh, for sure. Um, Black Monday. Yeah, for sure. Chiefs minus 2.5 loss. Giants plus 7 loss. Browns plus
1: 1.5, 463.0. Loss, 49ers plus 5.5 loss. Right there with you on the 49ers. Thanks, Kyle Shanahan, for being a clown. Uh, the 49ers should have covered. That was the right side, wrong result game. But, yeah. hey, cry about that stuff in the NFL if you're Dan Campbell. Uh, the Giants, a loser for me. Chiefs, a loser. And Chiefs were the wrong side the whole way yes. in that game. Uh, the Niners, loser. And I did have a winner on the Steelers, even though I played the Steelers a bad number at minus one when I thought it was going to be Drew Locke instead of Teddy Bridgewater. I played the Steelers again anyway. Uh bet them twice, and uh, that was a satisfying win. I thought they were in the best spot of any team I've seen all season. i about the market thinking there's a three-and-a-half point difference between Teddy and mm. Drew Locke, huh? Uh, Drew Locke's bet against quarterback, that's for he sure, is. all right? Mm. Uh, one and three for me in the NFL, and that makes, uh, what's the season record? 11 and eight, 11 and eight. All right, college, 23 and 19, another uh, losing college Saturday for me, a loss with LSU, a loss with Texas. <laughs> that one hurt. That does suck. <laughs> Texas plus so, three and a half. The edge took some rough ones this weekend. Saturday <laughs> afternoon was not fun after that. Stanford plus 13, a loser. You know, Stanford crossed midfield 10 times yep. in that game and scored a total of 10 points. Yeah. That's hard to do. At one point per second, one point per drive. That's <laughs> solid. I did get a good number on Nebraska last week, early in the week, of plus three and a half. So that was a winner in New Mexico State, plus 32. Thanks, Aggies, for that backdoor touchdown with six seconds left. I had a buddy who talked, I was talking to, to him. was by 27. On Sunday, uh-huh. he goes,
5: did you see that? How could Nevada not cover that game? And I was like, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that was the whole thing. They were going to pull Carson Strong out of the game some point in the third quarter, and the uh, Mexico State's been putting the ball in the air 50 times a game. Got a little bit lucky there, unlucky with Texas, so it washes out there uh, two and three on college football last week. Stay the course. I'm, going to, I'm going to stay optimistic. Like you said, stay the course, stay optimistic. I see some games I like this week, and I'll put up a few best bets tomorrow.
5: Yeah, I think, you know, if if for me, if like when all four of those – Gotten just totally wrecked, blown out. Nothing near what I thought was going to happen mm-hmm. happen. You come in, I think a little bit, a little bit more down, but at the same time, a lot of what you kind of expect to happen. Also with the Giants, I mean, you lose four offensive
1: players in a single game. Wow, <laughs> that was that was uh, unfortunate to watch that happen. By the way, the uh, the Texas game. Here's one thing I was I was talking with you about this before the show. I really don't understand the mentality of a lot of guys or women who who tweet nonstop during these football games on the weekend. Okay. Do you watch the games? Do you pay attention to what's going on? Or do you just want to tweet the whole time? Some people experience it just through Twitter, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I logged on to Twitter in the afternoon. One of the first tweets I see from Chad Andrus, who does some uh, work for us here at VC. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. When Texas football runs the table, that embarrassment at Arkansas isn't going to matter, Chad tweets. Sark is going to the college football playoff in year one. And I looked at the score app, and it's Texas 41-23. I said to myself, Chad, why the hell did you tweet that? And Sark is not going to the playoff in year one. No. I'm going to nominate this for worst tweet of the weekend. Watched (laughs) a Big 12 game before. Declare (laughs) Texas a playoff team late in the third quarter with an 18-point lead and a shootout? Come on! Good for Chad not deleting it. Well... <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would delete that tweet, right. right? So he left it up. I give him credit for that. But, it's funny uh, when they were down by
5: that score. Uh, that's I had a I had a Oklahoma in game at about plus three fifty, and also that's when I like sat down. It was like it's about to get wild. Like it's it's the Red River rivalry. It's the Big Ten. There used to be the Big Twelve. They had just changed quarterbacks. Not like, the Big Ten. Yeah, no, it's not. That's the opposite of the Big Ten. Um, actually, Big Ten's 23-20. I, I was going to say, Penn I felt State, offended watching Penn, State. watching Penn State and Iowa after that. I was like, <laughs> what, what am I watching? He saw this
1: 23-20, is says, it's still in the first quarter? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Steve Sarkissian's done a nice job at Texas, but that was a uh, horrific choke job by the Longhorns. And also, i a lot of credit to uh, Lincoln Riley for making the quarterback change and some spectacular plays in that game. Oklahoma comes back to win 55-48 with a 30-yard touchdown run With three seconds to go. Tough beat if you had Texas plus three and a half. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Sark is not going to the playoff in year one, JBT.
5: No, Texas clearly thought just because Oklahoma was playing for the field goal, "Eh, we should just let them. And uh, no, (laughs) they rip off a touchdown run to allow them to cover three and a half. So let me ask you this. What looked
1: worse, the Texas defense or the Kansas City Chiefs secondary last night? Daniel Sorensen's got to be benched, right? Like you're, you're done with him at safety. Josh Allen completed 15 passes for 315 yards. Yep. Was not sacked. Was not intercepted. Wasn't even pressured much. It looked oh, like up? Dancing with the Stars in the pocket last night. He had so much time back there to prance around.
5: Uh, let's see, Josh Allen. How about this on throws twenty or more yards downfield?
1: Five for five.
5: five oh, PFF has him as five for six. Okay, for eighty-three percent. Right, <laughs> two hundred thirteen yards, two touchdowns. Five of those big time throws. That was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, he was not pressured much at all. Uh, to your point too. Uh, under pressure on just eight dropbacks last night and still was relatively solid in that regard. But when he was kept clean, which he was on 73% of his dropbacks, three touchdowns, 11.2 yards per attempt, not a single turnover worthy play. Average of the target downfield, 8.8 yards. was
1: ridiculous. Hey, 21 yards per completion is ridiculous yep. in the NFL. Absolutely ridiculous. And that Kansas City defense is a big problem.
5: Yeah, it's a lot more of a problem. Uh, they, they, you figured that at some point it would revert back to that. Because the last few years, right, it's been bend but don't break. It's been like, oh, hey, well, you know what, we'll uh-huh. let you get to the red zone, but we'll hold you to field goals, maybe a touchdown here and there. Our offense is good enough. And you know what's, this is I'm glad we're bringing this up because I, I wrote this down and I forgot to bring this up because you and I talked about this on the opening lines yesterday. So defense is bad. But one of the things the Bills did yesterday from a defensive game plan standpoint, right? They weren't blitzing Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. at all. Right. And we have found out, as we know, Patrick Mahomes, brilliant against the Blitz throughout his young career, uh, but not so much when he's facing, right? Just drop cover all the time. If you go by the PFF numbers, by far, through five games now, humans, this is the lowest percentage of his dropbacks that he has been uh, not blitzed on, right? He's only been blitzed on 12.8% of his dropbacks this year, by far the lowest rate of his career. It does seem, not that the book is out on Patrick Mahomes, but that NFL teams are saying, you know what, you're killing us with the blitz. Let's just stop doing it. Let's just force you to actually start to pick us apart and take stuff underneath as opposed to allowing you to take these shots downfield. And I don't think it's a coincidence that these turnovers are up for
1: the Kansas City Chiefs and that this is the one of the worst starts in the Patrick Mahomes era. Yeah, 4-0 in turnover margin last night. Mahomes has six interceptions in the in the two losses at home. Excuse me. He's got six interceptions for the season. He's yeah. got four interceptions in those two home losses to the Chargers and the Bills. He had six interceptions all of last season. And don't forget, this was a team that was 14-1 and going into its last game when the Chiefs sat Mahomes and a bunch of starters and lost that that uh, final week game to, to the Chargers. This is a four, essentially a, a team that could have been 15-1 last year. is now 2-3. Offensive line, the rebuild offensive line has not played that well, but the defense has deteriorated to a point where it's pathetic. And I think you're right to an extent, too. The more film you have in the NFL, defensive coordinators are going to figure this out. Mahomes is so good against the Blitz, don't Blitz him. Keep everything in front of you. Make it short passes. Make them grind their way down the field. Yep. And it's uh, been successful in containing this, uh, this Chiefs offense. By the way, they've always had a small margin for error, at least in recent years, because their defense has been so mediocre or worse. Last year, the Chiefs were 9-0 and in one-score games. But they were 0-8-1 against the spread in those games. Yep. Yeah. And right now, they are 2-13-1 against the spread since the midpoint of last season. 2-13-1.
5: And a 6.5-point favorite on the road against Washington this yeah. weekend.
1: Well, Washington defense has allowed uh, 33.8 points per game over the last four. So this yep. is probably a team that the uh, Chiefs can outscore.
5: Uh, on, yeah, from an offensive standpoint, maybe they get back on track. What you do wonder, I mean, Henneke, to give him credit, he's a big play quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Like that has been the thing for Washington. Their offense has not been efficient, but it has been boom or bust. And you can find a lot of boom plays there against the Kansas City Chiefs. And you do want, I think, like really, the secondary in terms of what they're going to do going forward, you do wonder if there's going to be a change. Like, Daniel Sorensen was burned a lot last night. Mm-hmm. Their safety play was atrocious. Like outside of, and how many how many times did you see the shot uh, of Tyron Matthew just holding his hands out like this? Like, what are we doing? Like he's watching deep
1: balls going to go flying over his head. Sorensen looked get, like he, he won sort of, some sort of fan contest to be the chief safety <laughs> for the night. Who's the uh, uh, what's the uh,
5: the Mark Wahlberg movie? Who's the guy
1: that won a spot on the Philadelphia Eagles team back in oh, like, the seventies? Yeah, that was the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> that he, guy might have been better. He was actually a pretty good player. All right, wrap it up. What's your prediction? You got your Colts jacket on today. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I didn't realize it. You're going to uh, play the Colts plus seven and a half? Or? Uh,
5: I, I, think the, I, I think they'll stay within that number. So let's see what the market does with it. Who knows? The market's been pretty bullish on its sides. Maybe it gets up to eight by the time we get to kickoff. So plenty of time for that to move. All right, we're all done. We'll be back tomorrow here on The Edge. Coming up next. It's Stormy and my guys in the desert. Visa.com. Check out everything we have to offer. We'll see you.
6: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.